0: This is Bruce Friedman of Adult Site Broker, and welcome to Adult Site Broker Talk, where every week we interview one of the movers and shakers of the adult industry, and we discuss what's going on in our business. Plus, we give you a tip on buying and selling websites. This week, we'll be talking to Justin Cook of Empire Flippers. Adult Site Broker is proud to announce Adult Site Broker Cash, the first affiliate program an adult website brokerage. With Adult Site Broker Cash, you'll have the chance to earn as much as 20% of our broker commission, referring sellers and buyers to us at Adult Site Broker. Check our website at adultsitebroker.com for more details. First of all, today, let's cover some of the news going on in our industry. In a case which may have consequences for cam models and sex workers who rely on a single platform for a majority of their income, a judge has ordered ride-hailing companies Uber and Lyft to reclassify their California drivers from independent contractors to employees. The ruling would make Uber and Lyft provide the newly classified employees with benefits in accordance with the AB5 legislation that came into effect on January 1st. San Francisco Superior Court Judge Ethan Shulman, who issued the injunction, also paused it for 10 days to allow for an appeal. The ride-hailing companies are expected to appeal the judge's preliminary injunction in favor of the state of California. If upheld, the ruling could, according to Bloomberg, make them halt their services as they figure out how to adjust their business model to comply with it. Judge Shulman agreed with California Attorney General Xavier Becerra that Uber and Lyft are violating AB5. The legislation is currently undergoing a revision process in Sacramento via a follow-up cleanup bill outlining exceptions and states that workers can generally only be considered contractors if they perform duties outside the usual course of one company's business. The ruling may have an impact on California cam models and other sex workers if the state or the workers themselves decide to argue that their performances constitute duties that are essential to the usual work of a camming platform, cam studio, or premium platforms business. AW Media, the parent company of AW Summit, has spun off the show into its own entity with Roxana Chirilla named as CEO and co-owner. Earlier this summer, organizers postponed its annual event series in Romania to 2021 due to ongoing concerns related to the pandemic. Roxana has been in charge of the company's recent shows, and she also came up with a recent AW Meetup. Cherilla expressed excitement about her new role. She said, I'm looking forward to take full responsibility of the AW Summit show that has been so important for our industry for over seven years, and I'm looking forward to leading our show in Mamaya and to start the progress in moving AW Summit to Bucharest for 2022. The Los Angeles Times has published several more accounts of alleged sexual assaults by Ron Jeremy. None of the new accounts appear to have resulted in more charges by the Los Angeles District Attorney's Office, which in June charged Jeremy with eight counts of sexual assault. Jeremy was arrested on June 23rd and remains in jail awaiting trial. During his bail hearing on June 26th, The prosecutor, Deputy District Attorney Paul Thompson of the Sex Crimes Division, justified the unusually high $6.6 million bail his office requested by referring to the sheer number of allegations of what he termed sexual violence that have been named about Jeremy, some of them going back 30 years. Although the DA's office only found enough evidence to warrant charges over four incidents over a period of five years during Jeremy's arraignment, Thompson cited 38 allegations to justify his claim that Jeremy's freedom represents a risk and a danger to society. According to the Times article, prosecutors said they had been contacted by 25 women across the country who made allegations ranging from misdemeanor sexual battery to rape against the man who, for decades, was one of the porn industry's most visible celebrities. Now let's feature our property of the week that's for sale at Adult Site Broker. We're proud to offer for sale porn.co, an amazing adult domain name. This domain can be used for just about any purpose, including a pay site or a tube site. Porn.com sold for $9.5 million, and the .co extension is rapidly gaining in value. So besides being able to make money on this domain now, you can also count on it appreciating in value. This amazing domain has been reduced in price to only $199,000. Now time for this week's interview. My guest today on Adult Site Broker Talk is Justin Cook, the owner of Empire Flippers, one of the top mainstream website brokerage companies in the world. Justin, thanks for being with us today on Adult Site Broker Talk. Thanks for having me on, Bruce. Appreciate it. It's a pleasure. Empire Flippers provides a marketplace that allows people and companies to buy, sell, and invest in websites and online businesses. They offer an end-to-end concierge brokerage service for their customers and have done more than $138 million in total sales today, which is really impressive. Let me also say that Justin has an amazing podcast, the Empire Flippers podcast, that was a good part of my inspiration to do this one. In fact, Justin was nice enough to have me as a guest a few years ago, so I decided to return the favor. Uh, Justin, how did you get started brokering websites? Yeah,
1: man. So, uh, my business partner and I, uh, we'd been friends a very long time, uh, back from like late nineties. Uh, we were friends in Southern California mm-hmm. and we were working for a company in the SEO space in California and we were hiring people right and left and so uh you know we had for a previous company we'd owned we'd actually done some hiring in the philippines Mm -hmm. so we told our 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 bosses the ceo and cfo we said look you know we have this connection in the philippines where we think we can hire some people to do some of this kind of back office work that you need done so you know they said yeah let's roll with it." so we hired a couple of people and we started scaling that up uh you know scaling up a team in the philippines and eventually we went to them and said hey look you know, we've got this, you know, it's now like eight or nine people. Why don't we run the business over there? We'll leave our jobs here to go run the business and work as, you know, a a company, a B2B company uh, Mm -hmm. for you running this from from the Philippines. And they went for it. So, you know, my business partner and I moved to the Philippines to start an outsourcing company working for our previous employer. And, Uh you know, we were really excited about this. You know, we'd traveled quite a bit uh, before and we'd actually met in and not uh, the Philippines, but Thailand before and had a really good Mm. time. And we always thought, you know, what if we could, you know, make dollars and spend pesos. And so Mm. uh, Mm. we got the opportunity to do that. And and we went over there and then within a year, our previous employer had come up on hard times and started to cut Mm. back. And so, you know, what we thought was a growing stable opportunity turned into be, you know, something other. And we were looking to replace them and look for new clients and, we were testing out different things and what we ended up stumbling on mm-hmm. was the creation of profitable website assets. And so mm-hmm. what you do is you put up a website buy a domain, put up a website, put up some content around a very specific niche right. and then over time it starts to get ranked and it starts to get search engine traffic and sure. you can monetize that. You can make money with it by putting ads on those sites. And so we started putting ads on them. We realized we can make money building these small sites. So, you know, as our employer started to scale back, we started turning those people to building these sites for us. So we started building our own sites uh, to start, and then we realized there are people that are willing to buy these sites that are making money. So the site would make let's say hundred bucks a month, people were willing to buy those sites from us uh, for two, you know, two thousand dollars, twenty five hundred dollars each. Oh yeah. And so you know, it, it basically started from us kind of creating, uh, you know, finding that you know our, our new outsourcing company, our previous employer was cutting us off. Uh, hmm. for looking for another opportunity to keep our business afloat sure. and then being able to create these like little niche websites that made money and finding out people wanted to buy them from us
0: Cheers. you you certainly uh did the ultimate turning uh, lemons into lemonades there didn't you well by yeah we were
1: forced to right because <laughs> these guys were like okay well we're gonna pay you half of what we were paying you last month hmm. and we're like hmm. oh god and so we did have to lay off some staff in the Philippines, but, you know, sure. it's with layoffs, like, you know, the first round's kind of the easiest. You know, you're like, okay, well, you know, there's always 10%, 15%, 20% of people that, you know, maybe are on the fringes, maybe kind of like one foot in, one foot out. But uh-huh. then you start to cut deeper, and you're cutting people that really want to be there, that are doing a good job. And sure. we realized that, and we said, look, these are smart, capable people that we want to keep. Uh-huh. Like, we need to figure something for them to do. And we found something that worked, which is building these small, profitable sites. And that's that's kind of how we got started was building sites for ourselves. Eventually that process failed too. So mm. our, you know, process for creating these sites um, wasn't working, wasn't nearly as profitable as it was in the beginning. In the beginning, you know, we'd spend, you know, somewhere between fifty to hundred bucks and you know, make a site worth, you know, two thousand dollars. And, you know, by the end, nice. it was like it was like 50 to 100 bucks to make a site worth like 150, 200 bucks. And we were like, well, <laughs> that's not really great. Um, so, you know, we had built this audience, though, of people that wanted to buy sites from us, sure. these small earners. And now, now we didn't have supply. So we had demand. We had all these people uh-huh. wanting to buy sites, but no supply. And uh-huh. so we went, reached out to our audience that we'd built. We'd started a podcast and a blog talking about it. And we gotcha. reached out to our audience and said, look, you guys are building sites too. Do you want to sell sites through us to our audience? Like mm. we'll check them, we'll vet them, and then we'll list them up for sale, and we'll take a commission on the sites that you're listing with us for sale. And that's that's kind of how we move from building our own sites for sale and selling them to like actually brokering other people's sites.
0: So, so how long ago did you start the uh, the podcast?
1: Yeah, so this was uh, we started the brokering right around maybe 2011, 2012. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I think we started the podcast we started the blog around 2010 2011 mm-hmm. um and then maybe the podcast around 2012 as well yeah, you were an early adopter
0: in this field
1: pretty early I mean we're not like yeah. Joe Rogue early but you know mm. it, the reason we did it man was it's funny we um we have some friends they have the tropical NBA podcast and they run a mm-hmm. community called the dynamite circle we um We went to meet them in the Philippines. You know, we were, we were lonely for other entrepreneurial kind of like connections. You know, we were Mm -hmm. in the Philippines and we were kind of on our own. we were on an Island, like literally in in Mindanao. (coughs) And, you know, we were like, look, we want to meet other entrepreneurs. And so we met these guys and they said, Hey, come meet us on this island. I think it was Mindoro. So we flew up Mm -hmm. to meet them and we started telling them our story. And these guys had a podcast that we, we had started listening to. And they were like, look, you guys are great. Now let's do a podcast interview with you. We're like, oh, we think we would suck. You guys sound great, but we 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 mm-hmm. suck at this. And uh, and I went back. Um, I was nervous. So it was my my business partner was nervous about doing a podcast together. And we went back mm-hmm. and listened to podcasts we liked, and we listened mm-hmm. to their first couple of episodes, mm-hmm. and that made us a lot less nervous because sure. people suck when they start, right? Like yes. no one's no one's great podcaster out of the gate. No, so not. like it made me a lot more confident and, and feel a lot better about starting it. Um, listening Mm -hmm. to their early foibles, so to speak.
0: Yeah. I, I had the advantage of having gone to broadcasting school and been on the radio. So I got you, got you beat on that. That's helpful. Yeah. (laughs) Or do that. If you do that, you can make it work too. Yeah. Well, it's still a little rusty when I started back. Um, Justin, you're another expat like myself living in Vietnam, stone's throw from where I am in Thailand. How do you like it there, and what do you like about it?
1: I love it. Um, you know, I've, in 2010 is when we left to go move to the Philippines. I traveled a bit mm-hmm. before that, but since then, it's been just a whirlwind tour. I mean, for a number of years, my girlfriend, now wife, you know, for four or five years, we did nothing but travel. So we lived I out see. of suitcases, and we would stay in hotels, or Airbnbs, or service apartments. We'd stay two months here, and six weeks there, and two weeks here, like just, just doing travel. And so sure. we got, we got a chance to you know, we spent a lot of time in Thailand, obviously all over Thailand, um, Vietnam, the Philippines, uh, we've been, you know, Italy, uh, Prague, um, spent uh, quite a bit of time in Spain. So in the U S so we've traveled quite a bit and we were, uh-huh. we're always like looking for a place that places that we like. Uh-huh. and then we just we found ourselves always going back to vietnam so we travel around for 3 months and then come back to vietnam for a month or two and then we travel sure. for a couple of months and come back and we started spending more and more time here and last year actually we said you know what let's just get a place like we're spending probably 4 or 5 months a year in vietnam why don't we just spend 7 8 maybe 8 or 9 months a year we love it in, in Saigon, in Ho Chi Minh City. Let's just get a place yeah. we can ha- buy stuff and like have mm-hmm. a, a home base. And we'll still travel, maybe a little less, but we'll have mm-hmm. a home base. And we did that um, it was uh, yeah, 2019, summer mm-hmm. 2019, we still did the travel thing, and then mm-hmm. you know with everything that happened in early 2020 with mm-hmm. COVID and everything since, um,
0: we've been pretty locked out of Vietnam. As Dorothy said, there's no place like home. Yeah. Um, boy, is that ever uh, ever true? Um, what's hot now in mainstream brokering? What are you selling a lot of?
1: We're selling quite a bit of uh, Amazon FBA businesses or fulfillment by Amazon. These are mm-hmm. you know, e-commerce businesses where. You know, people are uploading their products to Amazon. They're having Amazon uh, handle the the products and, and delivery and everything. Um, so these are sure. businesses that are quite popular. And mm-hmm. we're selling a lot of like uh, maybe low six to low seven figure businesses in the Chief. FBA space. So that's, that's been, awesome. um, that's a hot space right now.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Anything else? I mean, content sites are still good. So, mm-hmm. you know, content uh, sites that are either AdSense, monetized, or Amazon Associate, which is an mm-hmm. affiliate uh, deal with Amazon, uh, those still sell well. Uh, lead generation sites, mm-hmm. um, these are generally like um, – not always, but but some of the ones that we sell are the ones that uh, are um, – uh, for educational institutions. So let's say it's around like nursing or, or something around that. Yeah. Um, some kind of like technical vocational school, right? There's for profit schools that, uh, that teach that. Well, they're always looking for students and those students pay a lot of money. So if you can deliver them leads, they're willing Mm -hmm. to pay you 40, 60, 80 bucks per lead. And so you can go through a company like campus explorer uh-huh. um and they're kind of the middleman and they set uh-huh. up the relationships with the schools and then you just deliver them the leads so right. you know they they you get the 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 lead information you, that, that goes over to campus explorer they uh-huh. may be paid like 120 bucks 150 bucks per lead and they're paying you 70 80 bucks
0: there you go yeah back in the day even before i got into radio it was back in the dark ages I actually worked at the university of phoenix so uh in, uh, in the Bay area. So I do know about, yeah. uh, <laughs> I do know about for-profit education. They're the biggest yeah, those schools.
1: Those schools make a lot of money. And so they're willing to play pay a lot of money for, you know, leads for the students.
0: Boy, are they, what do you like most about doing website brokering? I mean, it's, it's interesting. So
1: let me, let me say that uh, sometimes the customers I like the most aren't necessarily the customers that make us a lot of money. And let me explain right. what, why why I say that. So, mm-hmm. you know, we have some customers that are selling a business to them that, you know, they've put blood, sweat and tears into mm-hmm. and they're selling it for like, let's say, four hundred thousand right. dollars. And that's like literally life changing money for them. Yeah. Uh, we had a guy that was a Cambodian kid in his early 20s. Uh, sold a site through us for a little over three hundred thousand dollars, and it was a crazy amount of money for a, you know twenty something Cambodian kid. He's, in the, he's now
0: he's now the fifth richest man in Cambodia. Well, I mean, <laughs> they've
1: they, they, they've stolen a lot of money in that country. There's some people rolling I around. Oh, I, I know. I know. But, yeah, no, this guy, I mean, like, it was crazy. Like, he he's built, like, an entourage around him, other people that want to build these types of businesses. But mm-hmm. it was, like, life-changing money for him. Sure. And so, you know, like, being able to do things like that is more interesting. Um, being able to help people, like, uh, we had a, fa- a couple that uh, sold a website for, I think it was, like, mid, mid to high five figures. And they wanted mm-hmm. to do it because they needed the money, uh, to pay for adoption services so they could adopt a kid. They really wanted to adopt. So, you know, like those are the kind of stories that I think are just really fascinating, like the life changing stuff. But to be honest, like now a lot of our money, the way we make our money is, is through, um, like the private equity, the, like the, the small private equity shops, the kind of, uh, the funds that are raising money to buy like a portfolio of businesses mm-hmm. and they're buying like high six to low seven figure businesses. And you know, it's much more, I mean, they've got interesting stories. Don't get me wrong, but it's mm-hmm. less personal. Right. And so yeah, I kind of like the personal stories uh, of, of, of the things that we're able to help people achieve um, in terms of selling their business or buying a business for the first time. Like, you know, there's, and this happens a lot is that people hear about kind of the remote, you know, location independent lifestyle Mm -hmm. There's some like, you know, mid-level manager, exec, you know, sitting in some office, you you know, maybe a cubicle or maybe even a corner office somewhere in the U S and going, man, I want to go to Bali. I want to go to Phuket and work on my site a few hours a day and make an income, make a living. Mm -hmm. And, you know, offering them the opportunity to do that is pretty cool.
0: It's very rewarding. I agree with you. Uh, And it's not always the one that makes you the most money. That's going to be the most rewarding, uh, you know, helping people. That's, that's what's rewarding. Um, what do you like least about what you do?
1: I like least, I mean, a lot of the things that I, I didn't like some of the day to day stuff I don't do anymore. Um, uh, the uncertainty is still, it's nerve wracking. I've noticed like for me, Mm -hmm. I, I actually do, I work well. When things are on the line, when there's more uncertainty or there's more risk, mm-hmm. I do better. But it's a it's an awful feeling. Oh yeah. And so with everything going on with COVID, has been tough. I mean, I've I think I've mm-hmm. done, got a lot more done, but right. it's also a uh, it also makes me pretty nervous because I don't know how things are going to turn out. I'll tell sure. you, for example, like March was a really difficult month for us. Like mm-hmm. we for our goal for Q1, this is January, February, March 2020. Uh-huh. Um, we were around 60 something percent of our goal, so a full oh, almost 40% off of what we wanted to do. Wow. And that's not normal for us. Normally we're somewhere between like 90 and 110%. Sure. So, you know, it was it was bad and then we had a pretty bad April. Like April is not a solid month. And so, you know, that had us pretty nervous. We were like, okay, you know, how how is this going to affect us? And we we had to sit down our team and tell them, look, kind of this is the boat we're in. Um, We're in this boat together. We're going to do our best to get us all through it. Um, We're going to let you know if we're not able to. And, you know, you're going to have as much heads up as we can give you. But we're going to try to make this work. And here's our plan. And and luckily, we turned around. We had, I think, our best month ever in May. So that was pretty. That was pretty helpful. In terms you needed,
0: of, sounds like you needed to. <laughs> we,
1: we needed to. It was really, really helpful. And then June's looking really solid too. So I think we're gonna have a really solid Q2. Mm-hmm. That doesn't, um, in my mind, like we're still gonna hunker down and kind of see how things shake out in Q3. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, it's a it's a quite a relief to know that Q2 is shaping up much much better.
0: Absolutely. How big is your team? Um,
1: just under seventy people. So. Well, that's- yeah, wow. so we have like, I think 67, 68 people on our team right now. Um, really? Yeah, we have around just under 20 people uh, are in the Philippines, mm-hmm. and then everyone else is pretty much distributed. So we have some in the US, we have some in South America, we have some in mm-hmm. Europe, and we have a contingent in, in uh, Asia. My business partner, Joe, is in Manila. He's uh, mm-hmm. home-based there, and I'm in Vietnam, but um, right. we get got guys in Prague, Mexico City, Medellin, everywhere.
0: Are you doing some other services besides the website brokering?
1: Just brokering, but we have uh, a team at each, you know, we operate a little differently where it's not just an agency where we bring in brokers. And then they kind of like own their relationship and kind of see everything through on their own. So mm-hmm. we've, we've made more of a machine or a process out of
0: it. So you know,
1: when someone comes on board with us, we have a whole vetting team. So we have right. a department that's the vetting department. And their whole goal mm-hmm. is to look at incoming businesses for sale and then go through our whole checklist and our whole thing, um, our whole process for right. uh, seeing if those businesses are are high enough quality or, you know, don't have the issues that they, they can't have to list with us. Mm-hmm. And so after that, it goes from the vetting team over to the sales team and, mm-hmm. you know, the sales team has a whole process and how they you know, work with them. So end to end from, you know, your start of the relationship to the end of the relationship, you're mm-hmm. working through, you know, an entire you know, different team, um, as you mm-hmm. kind of work with your way
0: through the process. Well, now I'm a lot more impressed with my actions since uh, I'm the team. Um, so (laughs) yeah, I'm I'm the man. So I know you don't broker adult properties, which I'm quite happy about since you send (laughs) me business. Is there any other kind of website you don't handle?
1: Yeah, we won't do anything. of the any of the legal businesses. Um, sure. uh, Me either. Yeah, Yeah, of course. Of course. Um, We, for a while, we didn't do like marijuana businesses. uh, Uh We do now. So we've changed yeah, It's it's funny because like there's no, like we don't have, like I don't care. I don't care about adult. I don't care about um, marijuana, like whatever. It's fine. Right. But um, our thought was like we're going to be super – um cautious in the business for a couple number of reasons i mean Uh one like we have customers that are looking at businesses and they you know like oh i don't want to see this or you know that kind Uh of uh and so that makes sense but then um yeah for other reasons there's all there's other businesses we won't list if we think uh they're well if we just think they won't sell so so like obviously like if a business is uh scammy or sketchy we there are a whole number of things that we find out or we can't verify that's more often is it's not that they're scammy or a a scam necessarily but like we can't verify that they're not and so we don't let those businesses list but then others there's nothing wrong with the business per se but it's like in a niche that we're just we think is very short-lived so there's a time where um you know those what are those little hoverboard things oh yeah um that we were selling some of the hoverboard uh, sites, and we realized like there's no one's really buying them. Like there's not hmm. really they're not that hot. And so we end up shutting them down and not um, not allowing them to sell. there's a, a, there's a type of FBA um, or no, sorry, there's a type of drop shipping where uh-huh. people will just order the product on, Ali, on uh, AliExpress, on AliExpress, then ship to their customer just straight off AliExpress, and the shipping uh, time is hmm. the lags really long. and they don't use like unique images. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's not like an illegal thing to do or it's not even like unethical or anything. It's right. just those businesses don't sell well, so we typically don't list them.
0: Got it. Got it. Um, you get a good look at a lot of e-commerce sites sites. Um, you mentioned the uh, you mentioned the Amazon stuff. Are you seeing any other trends that are developing?
1: Trends in e-commerce in particular?
0: Well, I mean, uh, it's just insights that you would uh, that you would broker,
1: yeah. so oh, I'd say, like in terms of what buyers are looking for, you know they're a lot of sellers come to us and they say, "Look, you know, what kind of multiple will I get for the sale of my business?" And the mm-hmm. answer is always uh, the boring it depends, right? Mm-hmm. And Right. And you know they're like, am I going to get twenty times my net monthly profit, or am I going to get you know forty-five times my net monthly profit? Mm-hmm. And it depends. Kind of sucks because if you're making ten thousand dollars a month, you know, that could be the difference between two hundred thousand and four hundred fifty thousand. And so, so sellers are always like, well, well, how do I get to the four hundred fifty and not the two right. hundred? And the are kind of like there's specifics, but the general way to think about this is it comes down to buyer's perception of risk, right? Yeah. So. You know if the business has been around longer, mm-hmm. that's a positive sign. So if it's Correct. been around longer, it's got more history. that's generally a positive sign. Yes. um if the business has diversified traffic, so you don't have one traffic channel or one way of getting customers in, you've got three or four or five yeah. that are
0: working. You yeah, like one affiliate of- if they, if they have one affiliate.
1: Yes, uh, one affiliate.
0: Skeptical,
1: right? That's skeptical. The more affiliates you have, the more stable. Mm-hmm. No, no one affiliate um, does. Right. Let's say more than ten percent of your sales mm-hmm. or whatever. Like that, that's an even stronger sign um, that your business is more stable. And it doesn't mean that your business isn't sellable. Um, if you have like you know one affiliate that's kind of crushing the others, it doesn't mean it's not sellable. It just means you're likely to take a slight ding on your multiple because right. of that. Um, similar to like if you have only one product. So if you're right. in an FBA business and you have one single product that's that's selling really well, that's kind of like making your entire business, your business still might be sellable. But as a buyer, right. I'm going to want to pay a discount for that because there's lots of risk with just one product. Right. I mean, right. so other people can come in, they could find your supplier, that, that product could run out of fashion. Like, you know, if you have 10, 12 products that are selling well, okay, well, that's a little more diversified. I'm willing to pay a bit more. So those are the kind of like the things that affect um, the multiple is, is the buyer's perception mm-hmm. uh, of risk in buying the business. It how long will this, how long yeah. will this still make
0: me money? Something is only worth what somebody will pay for it. Right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So like I mentioned at the top of the interview, you're another expat. What do you miss about the USA?
1: What do I miss about the USA? I no, mean, I asked you. <laughs> <laughs> definitely some food things, right? So it's like, oh, yeah. oh man, in and out in outs delicious mm. that'd be nice to have an in-out burger right now but like oh, things yes. like that for sure um, but uh, but to get a little more I don't know a little more specific a little more honest mm-hmm. you know there are things that are challenging in Asia just mm-hmm. in terms of communication sure. so for example I was telling you you know my wife and I got a puppy right, right. so you have this Pomeranian dog that you' playing with very fun, um. But like, you, there's some miscommunication that's super easy to have. So we can go to the groomer. She could take it to the groomer and try to like explain in like English that's tough, and and the groomer's English is tough. You know what kind of cut she wants to give the dog, and then they could end oh, up no. shaving the dog off, right? Just like completely shaving off all the of dog her. ends <laughs> up
0: getting a mohawk. <laughs>
1: yeah, for sure, and like. You know, that's the kind of thing that like you just kind of have to roll your eyes, throw up your hands, and just kind of go, "This is life. This is what we expect. This is what we call it."
0: You know what we call it here in Thailand? Hmm. T I T.
1: Yeah, this this is Thailand.
0: Thailand. Yeah, you know know that one.
1: Yeah, this is Africa. This is Asia. Like we,
0: you, you
1: have to use that. And it's funny, you know, as an expert, my business partner and I moved to the Philippines. And we traveled through Asia, but it's different coming to visit for two weeks versus like living there. And, mm-hmm. and my business partner would get a little, both of us would get frustrated with it, but he continued like to get frustrated when things weren't exactly right. Or he would order like, um, and this is silly, but you know, he'd order coffee with like, he wanted warm milk and they would never be able to get like warm milk and he was like he just get frustrated and like god i can never do anything right ah never and you know eventually you just you learn to just kind of like live with that a man after
0: a Uh, man after my own heart (laughs) yeah yeah.
1: you just you you have to if you don't learn to live with that and learn how to deal with those kind of annoyances you'll just make yourself crazy
0: uh indeed yes and I have at times. Um, so obviously, things in America have gotten rather nuts. Um, how often do you praise yourself for the decision you made to come out here? and I, I do every single day?
1: Yeah, no. I mean, I, i'm I'm so happy that I had the opportunity and took it, right? Uh-huh. I mean, you know, there's a lot of people that, could have could have made it happen but didn't I mean there are, there are other times in my life where I, I didn't right but and that one I'm so glad that I did and it's funny I uh, when I originally left it wasn't like a, a total mindset it was just one thing it was like basically I'm just moving my home and where I live from the US to the philippines but everything stayed the same like we had an office physical office that we went into you know we just we kind of kept everything the same we lived in one place and we would take a mm-hmm. vacation from there but come mm-hmm. back to our home and then it was another mindset later that like made me realize like we don't have to have a physical office you know we don't have to go to the office every day you can work from home you can travel and work at the same time you can have your whole team do this through technology sure. and so like all these things added up and and I am i wouldn't have even realized any of that, I think, if I would have stayed in the U.S. I would have missed out on the, this whole, like, lifestyle. And it's, you know, I say I do it, and I know you've done it, but, like, there are other people doing it. There are thousands of people that are kind of these expat entrepreneurs that are running legitimate businesses and doing it remotely. And I'm not talking about those, like, digital backpackers. I'm not talking about mm-hmm. the, the kind of, like, people hanging out in the um, in the hostels or whatever. Like, that's a thing, and people do that. That's great, but... No, I mean, there's there's real entrepreneurs that are doing this kind of like travel and living abroad mm-hmm. thing. That's fascinating. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, if Trump gets reelected, God forbid, there will be a lot more. Uh, you um,
1: know, on that point, actually, I've had a lot of people that I've known, seems like a lifetime ago. You know, I was in the Navy yeah. a long time ago and I had some of those people reach out. I've had people from high school reach out um, recently, like in the last year or two and say, you know, hey, Justin, I see that you're kind of like living abroad, and you've been doing it a long time. You know, can can I ask you some questions, or like, are you so happy you got out? And there just seems to be more interest in that um, from the U.S. I never, in all the years, you know, I've been over here, that wasn't a super common thing. I'd have some people go, "Oh, that's cool, what you're doing seems kind of interesting or neat," but in the last year or two, it's a lot more like like legitimate interest in possibly getting out that I'd never I'd never seen before.
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> now, if you could give some advice to someone selling a mainstream site, besides to go to your site and list it, uh, what would that advice be? Yeah, sell with us. No, <laughs>
1: I mean, uh, non-self-serving stuff. I mean, prepare to sell um, a year before. Okay. So, I mean, if, if sometimes you don't have the opportunity. So sometimes, like, you know, you're going through a divorce and you need to sell the business to to pay for it or whatever, and you just don't have the time. Then you don't have the time, you don't have the time. But if you, you think that you may have some interest in selling the business at some point in the future, then, you know, have a talk with a broker Right. Have a conversation. Uh Start looking at getting your financials ready and a broker will kind of guide you on like what the things you need to do um, to prepare for that. But getting your financials in order is helpful, particularly once you get like somewhere between six to 12 months out from selling. You're going to want to start doing things like making sure your books are in order, making sure the business is able to be turned over, um, making sure you get rid of um, any spend that you have associated with the business that isn't actually helping. So a lot of times I'm kind of on the marketing side of our our business and Mm -hmm. on the marketing side sometimes we're doing a lot of exploratory things. Like I'm, I'm throwing dollars at something and I don't know if it's going to work, but it's a test, right? Right. Like you you get rid of that test, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, 12 months out, definitely six months out from the sale of your business. And the reason is, you know, we're going to count, you're going to have a lot of those expenses count against you on the profit and loss. And so, you know, it makes sense for you to, start to cut back on any of the things that aren't actually making you a profit that aren't actually making you money.
0: Absolutely. And don't change anything. Uh, after we get into yes. this, I'll tell you a little story that will blow oh, you away. Well, oh, man, um, I'll,
1: I'll tell you this, Bruce, like, uh, we have people that list with us. They actually submit uh-huh. their bits to be listed. And then they say we get them listed on our site and we're going mm-hmm. through the process of finding them a buyer and, and screening buyers and buyers, particularly for the larger businesses, they want they want a detailed review. They're gonna dig into it. Uh-huh. And you have you have sellers that feel like they already sold the business. And uh-huh. so they're kind of like letting it uh, get neglected or they're not ordering <laughs> exactly. more. Exactly. You read
0: you read my mind, oh, although man, you didn't no. have to, did you? <laughs>
1: We beat these guys up about it. And when we're telling the sellers, no, no, you can't do that. And I understand the thought process. You're kind of like, ah, I'm done with this anyway. Let me move on. But no, until you yeah. get money in your hand, it wired to your account, you need to continue working on the business until you get the money. Exactly. Don't drop the ball because you got to see this all the way through, man. Yeah, Exactly. <laughs>
0: <sighs> anyway. yeah, we,
1: we, were on the same, we were on the same page there, for sure. Well,
0: we, did, we most certainly are. Well, hey, Justin, I'd really like to thank you for being our guest today on Adult Side Broker Talk, and I hope we'll get a chance to do this again soon. Thanks, Bruce. Appreciate it, man. No, it's my pleasure. Thank you. My broker tip today is Part 5 of How to Buy an Adult Website. Last week, we talked about how to determine the value of a website, how to negotiate the sale, and how to get to the point of drawing up an agreement. So now you're talking to your attorney and you're having them draft an agreement. What should be in it? Well, your attorney will guide you through the legal side, but here are some considerations to keep in mind from a buying standpoint. What is the date you'd like to close? Now make sure you know that you'll have the money to either pay the deposit or the entire amount of the purchase by that date. I've had buyers who aren't ready and that just causes issues. In fact, I'm going through some of that right now with a couple of my deals. Make sure that all of the assets you're purchasing are in that agreement, such as every domain included in the sale, processing and payment accounts, relationships with vendors, all records including 2257 data, software to run the sites, and any other assets, such as source code for the sites. Of course, it should spell out any payment schedule if there is one. Who's responsible for closing costs, such as paying for escrow? And there are always terms that are unique to yours and the seller's situation. This assumes you're the party responsible for drawing up the agreement. If the seller is drawing it up, then it's important that you express all of this to your legal representatives so they can check the seller's agreement and see if any changes are necessary. We'll talk about this subject more next week. And next week, we'll be talking to notable porn actor Lance Hart. And that's it for this week's Adult Site Broker Talk. I'd once again like to thank my guest, Justin Cook. Talk to you again next week on Adult Site Broker Talk. I'm Bruce Friedman.